they were one of the founders of the firm I worked at before this very, very smart man. He said, if the shoe almost fits, wear it. And that in essence is there's never a perfect partner, not with mm. business, not with our personal lives, you know, not with anything. And, and so it's just about finding somebody that's, that's close enough where you get what you need, maybe not everything you want. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to Weiss Advice. I'm your host, Yona Weiss. And with me today, I am pleased to introduce Rachel Lewis from sunny Southern California where I once upon a time lived a long, long time ago. But Rachel, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time out and, and joining me. It's, uh, it's always good to speak with, uh, with women in the commercial real estate industry just because I find it to be uh, a smaller uh, kind of group. So I'm, I'm glad that we got a chance uh, through our Mutual connection, Allison Weiss. Shout out there to Allison for introducing us and, and getting this going. Yes, Allison is fantastic. A great connector of people for sure. And yeah, meeting women in commercial real estate sometimes can feel like a memorable experience just by virtue of the fact that there are so few of us. I think that's slowly changing. Um, yeah. We're you know slowly changing and I think a lot of concerted effort from a lot of executives is helping to form a much more diverse next generation, if you will. Right. That's already, you know, absolutely in process, but it takes time. Absolutely. It definitely does. And uh, just so you guys have a little bit of context who we're talking to here. I mean, you may think she's just like some, some woman in commercial. This woman who we're speaking to today has been involved in over 2 billion in transactions in um, capital markets and equity, debt and equity over the past few years. So this is, you know, extraordinary uh, is the word that I would put it. So Rachel, just a little bit about your background. I mean, you, you're from LA, right? Los Angeles. You're now working with JLL, one of the premier, you know, commercial real estate debt financing and brokerages in the country. Uh, you've done uh, with a number of firms before that, but what, you know, give me a little bit about how you got, how you got involved in this side of the business. I mean, coming from, uh, from UCLA, like what, what pushed you to, to jump into the debt and capital markets uh, side of things? So I have maybe a more nonlinear trajectory than many of my um, partners at JLL in the sense that I never anticipated coming into real estate. Um, I didn't study it in college. I, I've never taken a business finance or economics class in my life. And I actually had hopes of going into a different industry. And after college, I worked in entertainment. And when I got there, I, I realized it wasn't quite what I had hoped for. And by happenstance, I was given a job at a commercial real estate shop while I figured out what my next step was. And I was to be an interim clerk. They ended up training me as an analyst after a few weeks of realizing I was kind of good with things. And I think that, you know, one thing sort of led to another. I worked for a buy side firm for, for a handful of years and as, a, as an investment advisor and 
moved over to the capital market side about four years ago, three and a half years ago. But I think it was just kind of a trajectory of like playing off of my strengths. And that's what I talk to a lot of people about is the sector doesn't even really matter so much as playing off of what your inherent strengths are and then learning the skills you need to really maximize those strengths. And so I've always loved working with people. I'm pretty decent with numbers and I'm a bigger picture person. And so I just followed that within the path of, of real estate. And this is where it's landed me. I love brokerage. I love capital markets. It's a kind of short-term investment of your time rather than the much more labor-intensive and painstaking, you know, development operator side. And you're connecting people. You're meeting people all the time, you know. That's a part of my job that I really love. Absolutely. And just uh, to our listeners, in case there's anyone here who, who may not be so familiar with the term capital markets, I mean, I did a little bit of uh, commercial mortgage brokering for a little while, but how would you define that in terms of what your actual day-to-day consists of? Well, I'll bifurcate that. And first I'll answer what capital markets is to me, and then I'll talk about what my day-to-day role is within it. So capital markets, you know, in the broad sense is all of the different transactions that are going in with going on within real estate. That could be sales. It could be refinances. It could be development. You know, anything where money is changing hands uh, in lieu of like tied to commercial assets, right? Tangible assets. And so within our capital markets group at, at JLL, we have our investment advisory or investment sales group, and we have the debt and equity placement group. That's where I work. And my day-to-day role is to broker equity partnerships and different financial instruments, you know, debt instruments as well for commercial real estate projects. I help people get the money to build or buy what they want. We have other divisions within JLL that will do more of like a, you know, syndication of equity. If you want to sell a building, we have a department for that. But specifically Mm -hmm. with me, I just, I help people get money to do real estate. Okay. Awesome. So you're working with banks, working with lenders, essentially, in order to make those My clients are, they're developers, they are investors, owners, operators of real estate. And in another capacity, my clients are also the banks, the hedge funds, the money managers, the family offices, the private equity groups, the sources of capital, right? I mean, exactly. we almost think of them as secondary clients because they're integral to our day-to-day functioning. Exactly. And you have to really please both sides of the table because everyone has their requirements and everyone has their needs. And so it's kind of, you see yourself as a, in, in a sense, as a a middleman or not middleman, but a negotiator of sorts. Absolutely. We are middlemen and women, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I try not to think of it so much as pleasing anyone because that makes it about me. And it's not about me. It's about my clients. What it's really about is understanding what people need and what people want and then matching them with the right people. Absolutely. I love that. That's a great, you know, kind of reframe of the whole industry because I see myself as a connector in a lot of ways as well. And it's a lot about just making those connections and making sure that people are, you know, happy with what, you know, what's going to work best for them. And so it takes a lot of, I guess, emotional intelligence to understand 
where people are coming from and what they need. And there's a lot of times a lot going on behind the scenes and you have to dig a little bit until you get to, uh, to find out what some of those things they need are. Right. And not just on uh, not just on our client side, but also on the side of the capital providers, understanding what some of their, you know, internal fund metrics are, what kind of things that they have to put out, how we can help them. The more we know how to help them, the more they can help us. Right. And so there one of the founders of the firm I worked at before this very, very smart man. He said, if the shoe almost fits, wear it. And that in essence is there's never a perfect partner, not with mm. business, not with our personal lives, you know, not with anything. And, and so it's just about finding somebody that's, that's close enough where you get what you need, maybe not everything you want, you know? That's great. No, I like that. Let me ask you in terms of yourself, right? You're a young woman, but again, a woman in the commercial real estate industry, which we mentioned before is overwhelmingly you know, laden with, with it's, a, it's a male industry. Um, yes. And so there are, there are changes, right, coming. There are definitely people looking for, you know, looking for opportunities to help accelerate the growth of women coming into the, the industry. What would you say for someone who is a woman listening to this right now, who may be, you know, thinking about, and, and you kind of, like you mentioned, fell into the industry. It wasn't something that you had thought about, hadn't gone to school for, but someone who's listening to this who might also be thinking, well, okay, maybe this is an opportunity for me. What's the best way for them to kind of find out if there is a, an opportunity for them? Well, holistically, for anyone that's interested in entering real estate, my advice would unequivocally be do it. You know, find an internship, find somebody who lets you work for free, learn the business, take some classes, show us. And by us, I mean anyone who would be looking to hire a young person, show us that you have an interest by creating your own track record of enthusiasm. And in, in doing so, you'll do a couple of things. One, you'll give yourself, you know, on paper opportunities by demonstrating this is something you're serious about. And also you'll learn if it's, if it's interesting to you, if it's not interesting to you. I don't think that there's a really a shortcut to just trying things out. And being resourceful now counts more than ever. So just finding a way that you can get involved in something doesn't always have to be by entering a large institution. Anywhere will do that gives you right. exposure. Okay. I think with yeah, respect I mean, to being a woman, though, that things are rapidly changing, right? I mean, I think they were slowly changing the last 20 years. And... Being a woman in commercial real estate 20 years ago was a much different experience than it is now. I also think that globally, we've taken a stronger interest in diversity and inclusion as a result of many different social factors and that all companies and executives are, are looking to the next generation and saying like, how can we make sure that we're appealing to different audiences because there is a direct value add in a, vers a versatility of opinions and perspectives, right? And so I think there are a lot of opportunities for that. We're seeing our analyst class, the JLL, representing a tremendous amount more diversity. And I'm not going to speak for the company, right? That's not my job. But I'm personally seeing that there's a huge effort on bringing in a wealth of different kinds of candidates. 
All right. Well, yeah. I, and I think, like you said, it has a lot to do with just coming from, from above, right? The executives are, are seeing that there, there needs to be a change and there's opportunity for change. And so I think uh, being in this industry is, uh, that's ripe for disruption. Uh, <laughs> hard though because you can't hire a bunch of like female executives when there are no female executives to choose from and it, it takes mm-hmm. years of experience to get to a place right. where you can be in that kind of a role and so there are slim pickings and that's just the reality of it but i think with the emphasis that won't last for a very long time where do you see yourself in terms of you know obviously you kind of wound up happenstancely, as you put it, in the real estate industry and have uh, seen tremendous success over the past several years. Where do you see yourself going forward in, uh, within this industry? Well, I started by side brokerage and I have to say that while it was very informative, I, I don't see myself in investment sales. I did, it wasn't my thing. I love what I do right now. That an equity placement, that kind of brokerage, is, is absolutely for me. And I, I intend to follow that path through. So I don't have any immediate plans of diverging from that. I think just growing out a, a really steady book of clients that I can, you know, be with for the next few decades. I think that is, that's my goal. That's yeah. great. Do you have a, a certain type of uh, sweet spot or a certain type of clientele that you're, you're looking to work with or have uh you know, definitely mesh well, with better than others? Well, on a personality thing, sure. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. I don't want to dig myself into a hole here, you know. Uh, I'll meet with anyone who has a need and see if I can help them. But I think with respect to like what their real estate needs are, I really enjoy development. It's something I had the opportunity to do a fair amount of uh, with the last firm that I was at, George Smith Partners because I worked for a a former developer there. We did a lot of development. And so I enjoy that. I think it's fun and interesting to see something built out out of nothing. And I enjoy a lot of the structured finance because I think it's challenging. So full capital stack, that means like finding equity as well as debt. I like helping people grow and scale. Um, But I'm still very much in my own genesis of building a client and we'll have to see where it goes. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, fair enough. What about, let me ask you just kind of shifting gears here a little bit changing subjects, but Los Angeles, right? California, there's been a lot of exodus uh, from California recently and uh, in Los Angeles. And you guys are, are, are based there. Obviously your offices are there. Sticking around. Are you, you, uh, planning on being for the long term or you could see yourself somewhere else? I'm not on the executive committee for JLL, so I cannot (laughs) comment as their future plans for relocation. I'm not privy to them if there are any, but uh, I can't imagine that we would be leaving. First of all, we're all over the world, right? And and it's important to have local presences everywhere that we intend to be because it shows our clients that we know the market, that we're there, we have boots on the ground. I mean, I think that's a critical piece of what we do. So I don't mm-hmm. foresee us leaving in the, in the way that we're seeing a lot of corporate companies leaving California because of tax incentives, which I'm assuming is what you're talking about more than like the individual loss of, of households. Right. 
you're talking about on a corporate level, right? Yeah, for sure. Like Oracle relocation. Yeah, right. Okay. So um, I think there are a lot of states, this is no new news, that are much tax friendlier than California. And politics will shape whether that continues or doesn't. But I also think that like California is unlike anywhere else in the country. And for as many people as we lose, we're going to continue to gain other kinds of people. We're seeing a lot of like inflow from places like in specifically in Los Angeles, inflow from more dense metros like San Francisco and New York. So it's just more of a shift in demographics than a net net loss of people, I think. Right. And, you know, we have great weather. I personally love Los Angeles for a lot of reasons. And I think culturally we're really burgeoning and I don't see any reason why it's ever going to end up being a dead place. Mm, yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I, I like I said, I grew up in Southern California, grew up in LA, uh, haven't been back that that recently. Uh, I mean, I was there last year, but just for a quick visit. But yeah, absolutely. The weather is incredible. Can't get around that. That's for sure. <laughs> Almost nowhere else in the world that has such a, such great weather like Southern California. Yeah, I agree. Well, sw- switching right now, jumping into uh, the final four, because it's just about that time. The first question I ask all my guests is, what is the worst job that you ever had? It was the three days that I worked at CAA. What's CAA? It's a talent agency that I was dying to have a job at out of college. And my boss from my last, from my job out of college pulled some strings and got me a job there. And I lasted 72 hours. It was definitely more cutthroat than I was prepared for at 21 years old. And um, hopefully it was the worst job I'll ever have. Okay. (laughs) It's not the worst for everyone. It's a fantastic (laughs) company. It's just, it was not for me. It was not for you. Yeah. From the look on your face, (laughs) I could tell that it's bring back some, uh, some memories that PTSD. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We'll leave it at that. What is the, well, what, before we before we leave it at that, I actually am curious. What will be one thing? And we obviously every experience in life is a learning experience. I'm a firm believer in that. What one thing that you learned from those 72 hours that you're there? I mean, obviously you learned it wasn't for you. I didn't have what it takes to make it into entertainment. It wasn't a work ethic or an intelligence thing. It was just that there are so many people that work in that industry. God bless them. That would literally do anything and everything to make it. And mm-hmm. I just frankly didn't care that much. Gotcha. So you, okay. Well, I guess we'll leave it at that. As uh, honest as I can get about it, you know? <laughs> no, I, I definitely hear that. There's definitely, I hear that. Okay. Second <laughs> question. What is a book that you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? You know, I have to actually thank the head of our LA office for this. So the gentleman who hired me, Bill Pichelle, he runs our debt and equity group in LA. And he bought this book for me, The Power Broker, which wow. it's like a good, you know, little nighttime read. Uh, it's about 1,200 pages about Robert Moses, who's like the most prolific builder of American history and did a lot of New York's infrastructure. And I think it's actually been one of the most informative books that I've read professionally. Not about necessarily like doing what is, in my mind, the 
right thing versus the wrong thing, but the most effective use of power in relationships. I'm not going to say I'm necessarily going to emulate his character whatsoever, but it's it's definitely changing the way that I see uh, professional relationships, and mm-hmm. it's very informative. Okay, that's that's great. Uh, a nice uh, small little read there, 1,200 pages. From the looks of it, it looks like it can it's be life changing. It's also a lethal weapon, so you know if I'm walking right, exactly. down the street at night and I happen to have it in my purse, right? If you can fit <laughs> in your purse, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, third question for you is: What is a skill or talent that you would like to learn? Skill or talent I'd like to learn, professionally speaking. <laughs> anything, anything, anything. So personally, one of my bucket list things is that I wanted to, to learn at least seven languages fluently. I always figured that like being a really proficient polyglot would allow me to connect with all different kinds of people I would never connect with. I think that professionally, though, the biggest skill that I would like to, to continue to refine is my kind of memory database for people and places a lot gets lost up here, you know, and I think I rely too much on technology and some of my partners have incredible recall about the person mm-hmm. they spoke to three years ago at this fund, who did this deal and this is the waterfall and blah, blah, blah. I'm working, I'm doing a lot of brain games to try to try to get on that level. I'm not there yet, but um, I think the more I can move into here from off of my computer, the, the better it'll be for me and everyone else. Interesting, yeah. Happens to be that's one skill, you know, thank God, I feel very blessed with that I have incredible memory of people and places and and conversations, things like that, like I names, I can remember someone's name that I haven't, you know, spoken to. And even with, you know, like social media, I have with thousands or tens of thousands of connections, like, I'll remember most people. That's incredible. Have a a conversation with them. Um, I'm envious of you, but I have to say that could probably go both ways, right? Right, right, exactly. And the question <laughs> is, um, um, when I, w- the reason I'm bringing that up is the question is I'm thinking is, is there any, you know, is it something innate or is it something that can be learned? Obviously, things like this can be learned, but I'm just thinking for myself, like, I haven't done anything to refine that in any way. It's really um, hard. I got to tell you, when I was younger, I had a really, like, very good memory. And only in the last couple of years, things have started to, like, just kind of... And uh, I've learned to take really copious notes, but anytime I'm away from my technology, it's like, you know, nothing's up there. So <laughs> I don't I'm think working, up there. That's I'm working on, on the recall part. All right. Well, I guess that, you know, it has uh, the advantage is that you're not bogged down by, uh, by things outside of work. I'm very present. <laughs> Mostly because I can't remember what happened five minutes ago. <laughs> it's right in the here and the now. That's but the great. good thing about work is you do something often enough, it becomes instinctual. You don't need to remember the details of something to know how it's supposed to be done. You know, so after a certain point in time, you do, you do something often enough and you remember. Okay. Well, Okay. Well, I, if I do think of any way that that can help with that, I'll let you know. But uh, so far, uh, oh my neurologist. <laughs> no, you know what? To be honest, it. I don't know if it has to do with it, but what I do like to do is, um, like, improv. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like just that quick thinking actually just helps. 
I don't know. I think there is some connection between that. Oh, that would um, terrify me. I mean, okay, it, well. it does terrify me just thinking about it right now. Okay, well then maybe that's not a good thing. But for you, that's very brave. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy it. But I don't know if that helps. It just, for some reason, I think that does have- That would be a last resort for me, seeing myself (laughs) in Things will have to get really bad. (laughs) Okay, we'll we'll find something else. We'll get you uh, another 1,200-page book or something to read up on the subject. Fourth and final question for you before we leave uh, this conversation. What does success mean to you? actually a really beautiful question for me because I, I get to define it based on my value system and not based on everyone else's. And I make a really conscious effort to define myself by both my trajectory and my balance of, of achievement, you know, in a material way and achievement in a personal and spiritual way. And so it's very easy in a job like what I do to get sucked into the performance figures, which were evaluated on and the dollars, which we're working for and the hours, which were, you know, which feel seemingly endless, but that's only a part of me. Right. And so am I a successful person? If, if that's all of my life? No, uh, I don't think I am. Case in point, I'm here actually in Jerusalem right now, uh, not in LA, working sometimes until very, very late or early hours of the morning so that I can fulfill other goals and dreams at the same time, which are part of my own personal and spiritual development. And I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be able to do both of those. But I think that it takes the concerted effort to nurture all parts of ourselves equally. And, um, and to me, a successful person is someone who is able to do that, who is able to see enough material success that they can provide and they can have a life and they don't have to make all of their choices based on, you know, financial hardship and stress, but who also pursues other things. Yeah. Awesome. I love that answer. And I love your, your case in point also, because I think that's uh, part and parcel of, uh, of who you are, you know, not just someone who who uh who talks the talk but but someone who walks the walk right someone who not just believes that to take time off to pursue uh spiritual endeavors but actually you know go for it right doing it and living well it. i've been a lot more blessed than many people in the sense that i've had a number of allies both personally and professionally that have assisted me with what i say are you know my life not just goals, but requirements, right? Like I leave early on Fridays because I keep Shabbat. I take off a number of holidays that are not on the bank calendar. I take time to learn. And when I'm present at work, I'm efficient. I use my time as well as I can. But there are other things, you know, that need to happen also. And I'm very fortunate that I've had people along the way who have said, okay, that's, that works for us, you know? That's great. Yeah. yeah, no, and I, I can relate to that 100%. So kudos to you and um, appreciate you uh, taking the time with us today. Uh, for our listeners, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you if they choose to? So um, my name is Rachel Lewis, R-A-C-H-A-E-L-L-E-W-I-S, uh, J-O-L Capital Markets LA. If you Google me, my contact info is up there. Um, my number is 310-498-7472. 
and um, I welcome any and all new introductions. Awesome. Well, appreciate you taking the time again, and uh, thanks for for doing this. Maybe we can uh, have a conversation and some time. Yeah, yeah. Pleasure. pleasure. To our listeners, uh, to our listeners, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.